The city's proposal to annex Davis County school properties has upset local educators whose paychecks will be reduced due to a significant increase in occupational taxes. We're going to discuss what led the city to seek the annexation and how local educators reacted to the unwelcome news. Stay with us. This is Inquire. From the Mystery Inquirer, I'm Don Wilkins. On May 21st, Davis County Public School teachers and employees woke up to the headline, City to Annex Six DCPS Schools Properties. It was unexpected and news that the city kept under wraps until the eve of its city commission meeting. I recently talked with Mystery Inquirer City reporter Austin Ramsey about this story and the fallout from it. Typically, as the city government reporter, uh, Mondays are big days for me, as are Tuesdays. Tuesdays are when city commission meetings take place, and Mondays are the days that I find out what the city commission is going to be considering. Um, and, and, and that's through an agenda that, uh, that the city clerk sends out, usually on, on the Monday afternoon prior to a city commission meeting. So under Nate City Manager Nate Pagan's administration, those uh, agendas, uh, I'll, I'll be frank, have been coming out uh, a little later and later in the afternoon. Uh, typically, they, 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 they would always get them to us at around 4 p.m. Lately, they've been coming out uh, at about 5 p.m. Um, f- and for a day reporter, that, that, that obviously does put a strain on, on my ability to do my job. But uh, but but there have been some agendas that have come out even later than that. Now, for those listeners uh, who who may be familiar with open records and open meetings laws, uh, sending out an agenda is not a requirement of a of a public agency. They are required to notify the media, notify the public, actually, of a meeting. But as long as they send out a list of of meeting dates and times, say, at the start of the year, which is what many public agencies choose to do, that is, uh, that is considered legally uh, enough of a, a, an advance. And so these agendas are really just kind of a courtesy to the media to get us prepared. But this one, as, as Don, you are very well aware, uh, came out a little bit, well, quite a bit later. It came out at uh, 7.42 p.m. on Monday, uh, the day before the election. And in fact, I was not here. I was not in the office when it came out. I was waiting and waiting and waiting throughout the day. But uh, th- this is probably a good opportunity to, to remind your listeners that, you know, reporters are humans and we have lives outside of the newspaper. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, often we have to put those lives on standby a little bit to get the news out. But this one was this this particular case for me was was pretty important. I had a family dinner to attend to uh, in Madisonville. I had to get on the road, uh, and so I I my family had been planning that for for months actually. And so we we I had actually called you as as you, as you know and said, Hey, Don. Um, could you do me a huge favor? And I think you were mowing the lawn or about to mow the yeah. lawn at the time. Yeah. And uh, and I said, Don, I I have not gotten this agenda, the city agenda yet. I know, you know, as a former county government reporter, you're familiar with how these agendas are put together. Could you do me a, a big favor and put it together? And of course, you agreed uh, to do that. And um, and so I'm. I'm. It was a seven, about seven forty-five, maybe seven fifty. I get a call from you. I'm, we're finishing up dinner, 
at a Mexican restaurant in Madisonville. I get a call from you, Don, and and he said, "Hey, uh, Austin, did you know about these these properties that are going to be annexed?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, uh, you know." The city manager Nate Pagan had had called me prior to me leaving the office actually and told me that there was uh, nothing big on the agenda, no big news stories that he could think of, uh, but that there were going to be some some minor items, including some municipal orders relating to the city's um, investment policy and the annexation of some properties. Now, the city annexes properties all the time. It's not usually quite a big deal. And I had known that the city had on its agenda to annex the Aldi's food market on Kentucky 54. That had been something that they were that they had, you know, been talking about for a while. I, I knew from just talking to city officials and filing some prior open records requests that that had kind of been on their on their on their agenda. And in fact, that was on the agenda, but included with it were seven other uh, proposed ordinances that uh, that would be annexing about 180 acres of property on the fringe or on the on the outskirts of the city that were owned by uh, the Davis County Public Schools Board of Education. Yeah, I started you know, googling these addresses because I, I didn't realize I didn't know what they were. You know, I, I recognize obviously the, some of the streets and and you know. So as I started, I googled one. That's Apollo High School. Uh, and then I googled another one. Hey, that's you know that's the uh, board of education, and then another one, Davis County High School, and then and then all of a sudden it hit me. I was like, "Holy cow! They're they're annexing these schools." And and at first I didn't realize what this was about. As far as I knew, they had I knew they had a reason they were doing it because in my mind I was thinking, "Well, this can't be about property taxes because they're you know property tax exempt." Yeah, they're right. exempt. And then it, it dawned on me. I wonder if they're going under the occupational tax. Now well, that that turns out turns out to be exactly what happened. Um, and so, first of all, uh, I just like to thank you, Don, for for your diligence to look at it. I'd like to thank uh, our city editor Bob Bruck, who who communicated with me a lot on the phone uh, as I was driving back from Madisonville, and we started talking through some prior open records requests that I had filed uh, re- relating to the city's. Um, Pocket annex, po- pocket annexation program, and then m- most especially uh, the night reporter at the time, our cops and courts reporter Jim Mays, who stepped in. Uh, he was he was doing what we call late checks at the time, which is calling around to local um, emergency agencies and police agencies to ensure that we basically haven't missed anything before the newspaper deadline. He stepped in and wrote a fantastic story. Um, Prior to the meeting, kind of the first really uh, the first way that, that we had to inform the public that this is, you know, what was what the city was going to be considering prior. And, you know, let me just say, you know, you talk about Jim and Jim is a veteran reporter. Yes, he does cops, but not just anybody could take something like this and turn it around and that, on that short no, notice and put it out there like he did to the public and make sense of it. And, you know, I'm sure there were a lot of people when they saw that headline the next day, especially teachers, were like, holy cow, you know, you know, this is something to wake up to. And, and Jim just did a phenomenal job of stepping into somebody else's beat and, and, and just doing a phenomenal job with it. And then, and then of course, you were able to come in and, and pick it up the next day. Right. And so the day after that, oh, we really started to get an accurate picture of, of what was happening here. Um, 
the Davis County Public Schools uh, hastily organized an, a, a morning press conference where Superintendent Matt Robbins laid out exactly why uh, the district was opposed to this. They objected to it um, on on basically moral grounds. Yeah, on, we and yeah we have some we have some audio from that, and so let's let's take a listen to what Superintendent Matt Robbins had to say uh, about this annexation from the city government. Yes, we learned about this uh, on May the 2nd, uh, to be exact. Uh, it was very uh, 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 shocking, I guess, uh, to uh, soak in that message uh, because I knew the impact that it would have. Not Again, not the impact it would have to Davis County Public Schools as an entity. Again, we don't pay tax. We're tax exempt. It was the resulting impact that it would have to our employees. So I quickly digested that and knew then that uh, this was this was a big item for for our employees. All right, so you know, Austin, you were at that press conference, and so w- what was the sense that that you were the vibe that you were were getting from not only Robbins but you know from other educators who were uh, at that con- press conference? Well, as you said. Um Don, this was all about occupational taxes. The city of Owensboro levies a 1.78% occupational tax on any employees who are within the city boundaries. And uh, Davis County levies a 0.35% occupational tax. Now, it's important to note that um, Davis Fiscal Court is expected to consider on second reading here later this month, uh, an ordinance that would raise the occupational taxes first uh, at the d- at the start of the new fiscal year to 0.70 percent on the dollar, and then by uh, uh, the n- fiscal year after that, June uh, I think it's actually June 30th of of 2021, um, the o- occupational taxes would go up to one uh, percent, which is a cap. Davis County being a institution of state government cannot go over that cap without uh, a referendum of the public. Uh, and so um, so what would happen and what will happen if these ordinances pass at, at the city commission level is all employees, all approximately 1,032 employees that are employed at Apollo High School, Davis County High School, Burns Elementary School, Burns Middle School, Highland Elementary School, and uh, one day the Davis County Middle School, uh, in addition to the bus garage, technology building, and central office, uh, they will be going from a 0.35% tax uh, bracket, essentially, to a 1.78% tax bracket. For someone who... um, who makes say twenty five thousand dollars a year, which is right on the cusp of the poverty line? That means approximately seventy eight dollars in pro- occupational taxes that they pay per year, up to almost five hundred dollars that they pay in occupation. And that's what we and year. that's what we call in the business a sticker shock. That is a uh, that is a big increase. Um, it's a four hundred and eight percent increase to be uh, exact. Now. 
some city and county officials have pointed out, which is accurate, and, and like I said before, it will not be such a big increase once the county raises its own occupational tax rates. But it's still an increase of, uh, you know, 0.78%. Yeah, whenever you're used to paying that, you know, that you know, low of a, an occupational tax, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get hit with such an increase, yeah, it's going to be very noticeable. And, and and to be fair, yes, they were already f- facing this occupational tax raise with the county. But not, not the entirety of it, right, of course. Right, and so they were going to be hit with something regardless. Right. And And so explain now how this works between, you know, the city... And in and, and the county, as far as the occupational taxes go and how they split that. So um, one of the first things that I did on Tuesday, once I jumped back onto this story, is file an open records request for an agreement that the city and county had come to in 2012 that had to do with um, the, the city's pocket a- annexation program and a memorandum of understanding between both governments as to how they would um, basically disperse the, uh, the booty when it comes to annexing uh, portions of the county into the city government. It's important to know that the city has every right legally to annex uh, whatever property it wants. And according to the to, to the state laws that govern that, a city government can do that both can do that either consensually or they say non-consensually. And in this case, this is of course an, a non-consensual or forcible annexation with the the property owners being the Davis County uh, Schools Board of Education, do not want to be annexed. And so the city uh, usually will offer property owners some some rebated services and taxes. So say uh, you live in the county but near the, 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 the city boundary. As long as your property touches the city boundary, the city can annex you consensually or non-consensually. And, and if you're, you're, you're not happy about the idea from the beginning, the city might offer you free trash pickup for five years, as well as, you know, a rebate on your property taxes for a period of time. And that can be, um, that can be really, um, attractive to someone who say is about to sell their home. They can, the value can go up to $2,500, $3,000. And so if you're selling your home, it, you, you get the money, you sell your home, and then the, the next owner is just in the city. They, they, you know, they, they don't really have uh, any say on it. And the city used to do that back in the seventies, uh, all the time. They would annex little, you know, homes here and there, one home at a time sometimes, and uh, and it was burdensome. It was called um, finger annex- annexation, um, and it was burdensome because uh, the the only restitution that property owners have is uh, by getting a, a 50% uh, of the residents of an area to be annexed to sign on to a uh, petition in opposition that will go to the clerk's office and, and then a referendum can be held that involves just those property alo- owners alone. Now, Davis County School District does not have that, that restitution because they're not residents. They are just owners, and they don't have anybody living on their property. At, at least we, we would hope not. They're, they're schools and, and office buildings. Davis County schools, they don't really have any, any, anything that they, they can get out of this. But the, the city, in, in offering this or, or, or proposing this, this annexation program, 
they not only had to um, appease or try to appease the school district, they had to appease the county government as well. And that's what gets back to that 2012 agreement. Back then, the city and county agreed that whenever the city would annex a, a piece of property, it basically taking it off of the county tax rolls and putting it onto the city tax rolls, which means more revenue for the, for the city, of course, and less revenue for the county, the city would pay the county back for basically whatever amount of tax revenue they originally would have gotten as long as it didn't exceed 0.5%. Um, now, for the county, when it's at a 0.35% tax uh, rate, that's an increase. So it's, it's, a, uh, it's an advantage for the county to give up property to the city and for the city to take it on because the city's taking way more in taxes than the county would and the county's going to get a little bit more and, you know, lose a little bit of land that it had to provide fire and police protection services to. So it's it's a win-win for both governments. And in fact, that's the same agreement that they have come to uh, that we know of regarding this annexation. So really, the only um, the only loser in this annexation is the school district and namely its employees. And what I find interesting too, Austin, is the city kept this pretty close to the vest. I mean, Yes, it's been out there that they put this out to the school district 18 days or so prior to... Right. May 2nd is when the superintendent was made aware. A week after that is when the district employees were made aware. But it was, but it seemed like that it didn't seem imminent. Is that... Yeah, I asked Superintendent Matt Robbins uh, point blank. I asked him, why are you only coming public with this now? I believe that was my exact question. Uh and uh, one of the things he told me was, um, you know, first of all, we didn't want to seem like we were hiding this. Um, so we, we, we've had it for less than a month. <laughs> but, he, but he said, you know, we would have held this press conference earlier had we known it was definitely going to be something that the city was going to do. According to, uh, to Robbins, the, the county knew, it, or I'm sorry, the county schools knew that it was something the city was at least considering but they didn't know it was something the city was absolutely ready to do until, just like you and me, Don, the day before the meeting. And so now, you know, we have now the blowback from this, and and then the very next day when they held the uh, city commission meeting, you were there. What happened? Who showed up? A lot of people showed up, Don. Um, if there's anything that the threats to um, Kentucky's retirement system uh, told us about teachers is that they can mo mobilize politically. Uh, we had at least 50, may maybe upward of 60 to 70 teachers who packed a very small city commission chambers room at the on the fourth floor of, of, of Owensboro City Hall downtown. And they made their voices heard. My name is Bailey Bennett. I live at 2576 Palomino Place. Um, I am the Davis County Public Schools Construction Coordinator, and I actually worked for the City Engineering Department for six years. Um, I saw countless annexations go through. Yet this is the first time I'm ever seeing a forced annexation, and I have to question why these properties. The confusing part to me is all of these properties are property tax exempt, government owned, education based facilities where only the employee will fill the blunt of this decision. Where the teachers, bus drivers, maintenance workers, custodians, 
and countless staff who are already feeling the blunt of the blow from Frankfurt's proposed changes to our retirement and pensions will now receive a 408% increase in occupational tax. Literally taking money from staff dealing with the same pension issues as the city to build up the city's pension reserves. You mentioned the 1% increase proposed by the county, but by CARES statute, that is a cap that the county can charge. The city has no cap. It can continue to increase beyond what it already is. Uh, reading some of the reasonings discussed, Apollo High School was brought up as it's surrounded by city streets, and these city streets must be maintained in the infrastructure that these schools use. But the other eight properties you're looking to annex are not. Maintenance, Bus Garage, Burns Elementary, Burns Middle, Davis County High School, Central Office, Highland, and the new middle school property touch state routes and state intersections. These Kentucky Transportation Cabinet maintains these roads, these traffic signals, the school zone flashers, the infrastructure, and not the city of Owensboro. If a pothole occurs, the Transportation Cabinet will be the entity responsible, not the city or the city tax dollars. You also mentioned pockets. There are plenty of pockets throughout the city of Owensboro uh, with such facilities such as portions of Glenmore Distillery, portions of SFG and Fields Packing, and the OZ Tyler Distillery. None of these are being looked at, only this, the Davis County Public Schools. If forced annexations are the new norm for the city, where will it stop? Will the OCTC Tech Center behind Davis County High School be next, or another nonprofit education-based property? As mentioned before, this also creates inequity between our facilities. A teacher at uh, West Louisville Elementary School will have a higher take-home pay than the same teacher at Highland Elementary. That is not okay. In conclusion, I ask you to look at these repercussions of this decision and the overreach of government that this is starting. I also ask each of you to remember what our district strives to achieve, and that is that we always put our kids first. So, Austin, you know, from that audio, and you were there, and... And from reading your story, it just sounded like the the city commission, other than Nate Peck, and they just sort of just sat there and just, you know, really didn't do anything, didn't say anything, didn't do anything. They were just figuring, hey, we're just going to take this and, and listen to it, but didn't really have any response to any of it. And why? It was stony silence, Don, um, and I don't, I don't exactly know why they uh, many of them were not open to talking really at all about this. Uh, we did get uh, City Commissioner Larry Condor pointing out, as as I've stated already, that, of course, once the city raises its occupational tax rates up to one percent, this won't be a four hundred and eight percent increase. It'll be about a seventy eight percent increase uh, on 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 the county uh, school district employees. That's really the only thing um, that that anybody on the commission had to say. I'm sure that made issue. him feel a lot better, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think so. I, and and many of the, the employees who spoke that night, um, they knew that already, and they said it themselves in their prepared remarks. Um, ultimately, there there's some interesting underlying things that some of my reporting is starting to reveal right now, things that uh, your listeners are just going to have to wait for, wait, wait to read about in the newspaper. But, um, you know, th th there's, there's a lot to learn about what these kinds of annexation strategies um, mean at a larger, from a larger perspective, say, from the Kentucky League of Cities or even uh, the Kentucky Association of Counties. And, and 
And there's also uh, legal disputes that, that, that are being involved, involved with this as well. As, as Superintendent Matt Robbins said, uh, and has said multiple times already now, um, there is a lot lacking in the state annexation laws as it comes as it relates to restitution or relief for um, businesses, nonprofit organizations like churches or school districts. Um, really, the only relief that exists right now is for residents, like I said with the referendum, or industries who can get some pretty enormous tax benefits out of annexations. And I think that's what's really, um, I think that that could be what's really driving this. And uh, I think I'll be really interested to see how it how it all plays out. And one other interesting thing, I just want to throw this out there. You know, if you've lived in Owensboro, gone to school here especially, you you realize how the school districts and the, and the city boundaries do not mesh uh, very well. Uh, it's it's actually kind of odd how it works. You you could be living in part of the city, and and I and I include myself as one of them. I grew up on McFarland Avenue, and you would think that I would have been going to a city school. I mean, I had a city school within a half mile of my house, but I went to a county school that was miles and miles and away from my house, Sargo Elementary, and it was the old Sargo Elementary. And, and when you think about you know, how is that possible? Well, that's just the way the, the boundaries are done in this town. And so maybe some people may be surprised, Austin, that to think, well, we always thought that Apollo, you know, was already, you know, in the city district or, you know, or in the city limits. And they maybe already paying these occupational tax. Tamarack School is an example. They're they're a county school, but they pay into the city occupational tax. Nearly fifty percent of the uh, students at Apollo High School are uh, city residents, even though it's a um, it's a county school. They live in what's called a fringe area, and I think that's what you're referencing. So the the city uh, Owensboro Public Schools has a school service boundary as does Davis County Public Schools. And those boundaries have to, you know, touch each other because they are required by law to be able to provide service for um, for every uh, child in all of Davis County. That's a legal mandate that they have as, as, as taxing bodies. And so those boundaries um, that Owensboro Public Schools have were set in the 1960s, and they cannot move. The city public schools cannot annex property. They can only serve that boundary that was set um, all those years ago. And the only way that boundary could move would be with action uh, at the state level um, from the Kentucky uh, Kentucky Department of, of, of Education. And so what that means is as the city itself actually grows past those 1960 uh, era boundaries, there are residents who who will live in the city of Owensboro. Now it's getting to be a lot of residents. I believe when you were a kid here, you were one of them. And uh, so 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 as that 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 city corporate boundary boundary expands, there are city residents who legally have to go to county schools because they're in that fringe area. And um, in some ways, that. That's an argument that the city is using. 
partly, as well as the disposition of services, uh, as to why this annexation is necessary. So, so this, so the, so the most recent, it was a first reading, so it's not, it, so it's not anything official. So they have to have two readings of this ordinance, and in that time, do you expect anything from the from the school system, from the Davis County school system? Do you, do you expect any legal challenges? Do you expect uh, anything to come about before you know they have the the second reading of this from the city commission? Yeah. So, um, like any public agency uh, that 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 set that that actually makes policy or set or makes laws, essentially uh, passes ordinances. Uh, the city commission has to read aloud those those laws or policies twice, uh, and uh, Tuesday's meeting was a first reading where the city commission does not take up the issue uh, in a vote. They simply hear it. They have to hear the ordinance read aloud. It's just the way the state law is written, uh, and so we will have another meeting, the next regularly scheduled meeting, or if the city commission so chooses, a, a special called meeting between now and then. Uh, or if the city commission wants, they could table the issue and, and think about it for a little bit longer. There's there's uh, no limit. I think maybe if there is a limit, it's a year uh, before the city commission would have to, to hear it again. I, I don't expect that. I expect them to probably hear it in the next, uh, the next meeting. I, I don't think they want to elongate this any longer than they have to. Um, as to the, the school district itself, yes, they have all but threatened litigation. Um, like I've said, they don't really have much restitution when it comes to uh, a referendum. They are the only property owners, so they would be um, they would actually be exempt from from participating in a referendum and and no one would participate in, in any referendum because they don't have any residents living on their property, as I said earlier. So a, re a referendum really can't work. The only thing, the only challenge that they have is a, is a challenge to their right of sovereignty. So a right of sovereignty is is something uh, really laid out in the U.S. Constitution, and it's it's an originally designed to protect states from policies or laws at the federal level that would limit the state's ability to be a sovereign government in and of itself. But since the school district, like any public school district, is a, is a, is a tax-levying body, they are a form of government themselves. And um, as such, the school district is, is claiming, or plans to claim in the court of law at least, that they have a right of sovereignty and that the, the city um, annexing their property in this way is a, a, a limit, a, a, a way that another government is infringing on their sovereignty. And they believe they have a, 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 a good fight to have in, in the court of law. And that will wrap up our show for this week. I want to thank Mr. Inquirer City Government Reporter Austin Ramsey for joining me. To send us questions or provide feedback, email us at newscast at mr-inquirer.com. Remember, you can find us on the Mr. Inquirer's website and iTunes, where you can subscribe to Inquire. Until next time, I'm Don Wilkinson. Good day for Inquire. <laughs>